top of the morning, afternoon, evening, and night, everybody. I'm your host, Ethan Politico, and welcome back to another Politoco podcast episode. Now, for this episode, I kind of wanted to go back in time, way back in time, ancient times we're talking, so far back in time, to 2020. Um, and as you can see by the title of this podcast, I kind of wanted to talk about COVID and China. And since I was living in China at the time, I thought it'd be kind of interesting to talk about my experiences as to what I went through in in, um, in China with COVID um, during both big outbreaks, during the first outbreak and the second outbreak, which happened at the beginning of 2022. And I wanted to kind of just go through that. I've done a bit of research and stuff so I can talk about some stats that some different uh, news providers, news agencies have put on their websites. So here we go. Let's talk about COVID in China. Right. Now, if you go even further back in time, even more ancient to December of 2019, um, the National Library of Medicine tells us that there was a cluster of pneumonia, which had an unknown origin that was identified in Wuhan, China. And that was essentially the starting point of the next few years and then on the 12th of january of 2020 uh, the chinese authorities mentioned a respiratory syndrome from the cluster of pneumonia pneumonia cases and at this time this is going to go to my experience at this time let's say that around the 18th 19th of december uh, my family and i were in finland at the time we went we went to get do some skiing and to go try to see the northern lights etc etc and over that period of time that we were in finland there was a few text messages that were coming off on wechat and wechat is if you don't know a chinese messenger type thing it's kind of like the chinese equivalent of whatsapp um and so there was a, a couple of things coming up regarding covid and some of the things that were going on because it was starting to spread a little bit and um, the school I went to and the school that my mum worked at, we weren't sure whether or not they were going to open up. So they were, we were getting emails back and forth on what was going to happen. And we weren't entirely sure because some were saying, yes, we can do it, but we have to be, you know, social distancing. Um, or we have to, like, be careful because this is, um, this is spread through the air. And so... This is all happening whilst we're in Finland, skiing away, and I was starting to study for my exams because this was year 11, so I was about to um, go back and start to get ready to do my IGCSEs. And then past a few days go by, and the 23rd of January was, according to the BBC, was when the first Wuhan lockdown um, commenced, essentially. And that was where everybody was shut off. No one could leave their buildings. No one could leave their compounds. Everything was shut off, social distancing, to try and stop this spread of the virus. But the reason why we were in Finland is because of Chinese New Year and the massive holiday that Chinese New Year is in China. So, so many people weren't at home. So, so many people who went to Wuhan left to go back to where you know, back to the cities that they came from before this lockdown happened, meaning that this virus had already spread because we knew essentially nothing about it. We didn't know what the symptoms were, except, of course, it was kind of like a pneumonia case where there's a lot of coughing, uh, temperature levels, fevers, etc., etc. So seeing all of this lockdown happening in Wuhan, and we were obviously we were still in Finland, and we were sent something by Wellington, by my school at the time, 
on the 24th of January about the quote-unquote novel coronavirus. And from that point on, that was the end of my year 11, essentially. That was them saying, we're not going to go back to school, we're going to start online school. Um, This is what we've been informed by the government and informed what's best for the health and safety of all of the students and teachers, etc., etc. So towards the end of January, this was the end of the Finland holiday that we had, we went back to Shanghai and we were planning to stay. We... Uh, we actually planned to foster a few puppies, which I was really excited about, and we had bought those puppy pads so that um, you know they could go to the bathroom and stuff. Bought puppy pads, made like a little den, which was a really cute little den, um, like a little place for the puppies to be, and we were all ready for this. And then we were given guidance by a friend of ours that worked for a foreign office, and they essentially just texted us and called us and said, you need to get out of there. You need to get out of Shanghai. Everything's about to happen. Get out. So we're back home at the end of January. Three days later, on the 1st of February, we're on a flight back to the UK and no puppies, no nothing. Our dog had to go into kennels for, I think, in total, it was about seven months. It was from the beginning of February to the end of September. And our um, our dog was in kennels for essentially the entire time, which was really sad to you know really sad to think about um our dog hadn't been away from us for so long and then all of a sudden she's put in kennels and then she was um fostered by another family which were very kind to take her in for about a month or two before we came back finally um mid-september and so yeah we came back to the uk on the 13th of september of 2020 and then that was essentially when everything was fine so that is my experience with the first Shanghai, China lockdown essentially. But if we go back to February the 10th of 2020, which is when officially the first Shanghai lockdown occurred, um, this was when the creation of the health code um, happened. And the health code was used from an app. It was uh, mainly WeChat or Alipay, which you could, which you could um, access it from. And it was essentially just a track and trace thing. And the health code had, I think, originally it had two colors. I could be wrong about that. But there was red and green. Those were the two main ones. And red means that you were positive for COVID. You are close contact of somebody that has COVID. Or you are a close contact of a close contact of somebody that had COVID. And then if you had a red code, um, you would essentially be whisked away to a magical land that the Shanghai government want you to be at. And then the other color, which is green, that is you're negative, you're fine, you're not close contact, you're nothing, and you can just go about your day um, after the lockdown happened, of course. And it was, it had two kind of main, um, main focuses. One of the main focuses, which is obvious, it was to make it was a way to make sure that people weren't negative it was a way for you to make sure that you're not negative and it's a way to make sure that the people around you are negative because you whenever you went into a public venue you would have to scan this code or show the guard at the front or show somebody that you are green coded and you're allowed to go in if you were red code you would be taken away to god knows where but the second reason that this was used was a way to know where everybody is essentially like i just said you would have to scan this code 
into everywhere that you went essentially um you'd scan it or you'd show it but you'd always have to you would always have to get it up on your phone and or you would have to scan a qr code to give you the code and then that would basically say where you access this code from and then that was essentially how they did the close contacts it was if you had a green code but then somebody else had a red code they would know that there's somebody with a red code in the same area as you and then instantly you would become a close contact and then next thing you know you'd probably have somebody come and knock on your door and say sorry you're coming with us which is slightly scary to think about but that was just the life that was just what we had to get used to was having these codes to use um especially when i came back to shanghai as well but that's kind of all i can really say about what happened for COVID in 2020 since I was in the UK for the majority of it. Um, but when I got back to Shanghai in September of 2020, this was the first encounter of the quarantine system that China had put into place and Shanghai had put into place. And for the majority of people, it was 14 days in a hotel. And that's, you know, in a centralized quarantine, a hotel, you set up for 14 days before you're let out just to make sure you don't have COVID in those 14 days. And they would they would test you four or five times, maybe six times before you left. So that's the majority of people. But luckily, since we had a house and we had an, we had an apartment in Shanghai, we had seven days in the hotel and we had seven days at home. Despite where we were, we weren't allowed to go anywhere. So seven days in a hotel, uh, it was okay. Um, luckily, since we came back with a bunch of Wellington teachers, um, like in a Wellington group um, organized by the school, we luckily had a pretty decent hotel, uh, very decent facilities. So I didn't mind staying in there for seven days, but I do know other cases, uh, especially, especially my sister. Uh, she was in a hotel for two straight weeks and it would it would be difficult saying that it was a one-star hotel it was a horrific hotel that she was in but yeah so with the hotel you are alone in the room i was uh i was 16 at the time so i think i had just gone past being in a room with somebody but i'm not sure if if it's 13 or 5 or 15 i'm not 100 percent sure but you're in a room alone by yourself and um, every day you'd be given a little thermometer when you went into your room and at 6am, 12pm and 8pm you would have to send in these temperatures three times a day. So um, they would call you within 15 minutes if you didn't do anything. So I would have to set an alarm for 6 o'clock, I would have to scan this QR code and then I would have to fill in all the information. I started to remember, no, not started to, I did remember and I did memorize my passport number because I had to put this in three times a day, every single day. And yeah, if you didn't do it, they would call you within 15 minutes. And I can remember this one time and I panicked because I had just completely forgot to put it in one day. And they called me and said, you haven't put in your temperature, please let us know what it is. And my temperature was 36.3. My, my temperature was fine. It was normal but I accidentally said 63.3 degrees Celsius. Luckily, it was fine, but I found it really funny. And I remember afterwards, I instantly called my mom and my dad, and I was just terrified. I was like, wait, what if they take me away? Because I'm meant to be dead right now, but I'm not. 
Um, in terms of food at the hotel, it was absolutely horrific. Absolutely horrific. It was... Um, the majority was Chinese meals, so it was just essentially just plain rice and a bit of veg, like a bit of vegetables. But obviously, I'm vegetarian, so it was even worse for me because I didn't have meat that they gave, which I guess is a good thing because who knows where that meat's from. But they didn't really accommodate two vegetarians. It was it was really hor horrible food, and that's why I bought. I I I would probably say half a suitcase of pot noodles and snacks from the UK just to keep me going for that one week because it was just horrible. I did not trust the food whatsoever. And going back to my sister when she stayed in the horrible hotel, she said that she was vegetarian and they gave her sea cucumber because that's just a cucumber from a sea, right? No. So that was that's kind of funny as well that she was given sea cucumber um, even though she said she was vegetarian. And then after seven days in the hotel, I went back home and I had seven days at home. And that was nice because I was with my family again. I was with my mom and dad. Um, my sister, she she wasn't with us this time. She came um, a bit later on down the line, um, a few months afterwards. So it was just me and my parents. So we were back home with my family and it was good because I was finally with them. I was able to work with my mom to begin to take the IB and we were able to order um, our own food from supermarkets so we could make our own dinners. But what they did was, what the government did, was they put a little, a little motion detector onto the door. And it would, that motion detector would go off if the door was open. So they would know if we left the apartment or not. And that is just... That's just one small thing that they've done to make sure that you do not leave your house, which is kind of interesting. And then one, obviously once the seven days was up, the motion detectors were taken away and we could leave and we were free to go wherever we want. And because this was in September, everything was normal again in Shanghai and we went back to school and everything was happy days. And that was essentially everything that was fine. I mean... When I had my chest surgery at the uh, towards the end of January, I had to get a COVID. I had to get a COVID test before any surgery, actually, just to make sure that I'm not COVID-ridden. And I had to wear a mask every time I go into hospital, which even before COVID is 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 probably a good thing to do as well. Um, but yeah, there were things you had to wear masks when you go into the metro. You'd have to wear masks in public transport. Yada yada yada. So there were still things that they were doing. Um, but it wasn't to the extent that it was before when I was in the UK. And that was everything that kind of happened with the first lockdown, to my knowledge and my experience. And then you go fast forward in time a year and about a year. And I'm trying to do the maths in my head. I'm going to say a year and six months, a year and five months to March of 2022. And this was the beginning of the second Shanghai lockdown. Now, the second lockdown is where I know quite a bit because I have a lot of personal experience from it. And according to The Diplomat, which is a news agency, a, the lockdown started on March the 28th, 2022. And if we just go slightly before that, let's go 20 days before that. I didn't go to school after March the 8th. 
that was the last photo I could find that I took of me at school because there were cases that were starting to rise at this time. And by rise, I mean 50 a day. Not 50,000, not 5,000. 50. 50 cases a day or so. It was hardly anything, but it, but Shanghai was so strict at the time was that we had to be extremely careful with um, what was happening because we just had our school photos taken and somebody in that in that um, company, the photos company, they were a close contact of somebody that had COVID. So next thing you know, that next day, every single student and staff are kept back until about 10 o'clock at night to get tested and to make sure, like, all we all got tested, all got sent home, didn't have to come to school the next day because we had to make sure that everybody was negative. And then next thing you know, a week or two later, we don't have to do it anymore. So I didn't go to school after the March the 8th. Um, and the 14th of March, I've had to go back through my, my school email. I had to log back into my school email to get this. 14th of March was the first day of online school. And this was the beginning of online school again. Um, it was the first time I had online school actually in the time zone because when the first lockdown happened, I was in the UK. So all my school was... Um, I didn't really, I didn't go to it because it was like three in the morning for me. Um, so the 14th of March was the first day of online school. And then the 15th of March, we had a COVID test. And that was, that's just an example of how bad it is because people actually came to our door to take our COVID test. Usually it's kind of a general thing where there's a group of people that come down to the, the ground, like, go into the compound and everybody leaves the building to go and get the COVID test and then head back up. But this one was that they came to our door and took it. And the COVID tests that they do are horrific and do not need to be that bad. It's act The WHO have actually stated that it is dangerous for how they did the COVID test. Because what they would do was they had, I'm not sure how long you would maybe say it, I'd say maybe 20 centimeters, 15, 20 centimeters. And what they would do was the, it was such a fine ending of it, like where the cotton swab, like where the cotton is meant to be at the end, it was so fine. And what they would do is they would push it all the way up your nose, all the way back, even further back than you think, until you can essentially feel it at the top of your throat. And it like tickles your brain, it's, it's horrible. And it went all the way back. And, um, you know, I, I remember people getting, um, a nosebleed because of it because it was so bad and how they were doing it and the only reason why this happened was because um a student at um my dad's school was a close contact of a close contact of somebody with covid so it had gone it had gone through one person and one person with covid two three so it's basically the third person in line and because of that we've had me and my entire family had to get covid tested and every single other every single other family from that school had somebody go to their front door and get tested that is just a small example of how bad covid was and how strict they were because we cuz shanghai knows what covid is at this time 
It's not this new disease that they're testing different things on. They know exactly what they want to do, and they know exactly how they want to confine people and want to make sure that every single person is negative. But that's just not the case, because there were so many cases happening throughout this time. But anyways, we were allowed to go out because the 14th of March was when we started online school, but the lockdown didn't happen until the 28th of March. And that was the citywide lockdown. Obviously, um, the different compounds, they had their own kind of rules. So there were some compounds near near the compound I was in, um, and they were already locked down. Many compounds were already shut. Um, because if you if you haven't lived in China, essentially every single house or apartment block is in a compound with one or two or, or three or four or a couple of gates that allow people to get in or out. But they just cut that off. They cut that gate off and they just do not let anybody leave. So everybody's just confined into their compound. And so it's just so easy to just shut the entire city down. So we were allowed out. Um, for a few days, I think our compound was one of the last ones to actually be shut down. And we were allowed out, we were allowed to walk around and do what we want, but it was so barren and everyone was wearing masks, everybody was, you know, social distancing and hand sanitizing and everything because they, they did not want to risk getting COVID. And then obviously, March 28th comes around and that was the beginning of the lockdown, that the citywide lockdown. And it started off with them saying, it's only going to be a five-day lockdown. We just want to do a citywide test, you know, make sure all of the, all the people that are positive are going into centralized quarantine, yada, yada, yada. Five days go past, and guess what? That's not the case. Everybody is still locked in for another five days, and then another five days, and then another five days. And this was just their kind of cycle that the government did. They just said, yeah, we're going to give you five more days to try and get this done. You know, we want the numbers to come down. But that just doesn't happen because these just it just keeps on going and going and going. And it was it was interesting because they kept on saying, OK, it's going to be five days. It might be a week, it might be 10 days. But then the government started to send us supplies because no one could leave. No one could buy things. No shops were open. So the government was starting to send us different things. And it started off fresh. So that's like fresh, fresh vegetables, um, you know, fresh meat and stuff. We didn't eat meat, but we got meat anyways. We were given all this fresh food, but then that changed. And that changed to long-lasting food, like rice and pasta and tins of stuff. Um, and if we were only going to be locked in for 10 days or so, like you're saying, why do we need all of this long-lasting food? Surely we should still be getting some fresh food not this long-lasting food. It, it was interesting. It was very interesting to, to think about it all. Now, luckily, because my parents were both teachers, we started to get care packages from their schools to keep us going. So it kind of gave us um, like toilet paper, like washing up liquid, and obviously food and chocolate, like just some nice things to keep us going, um, you know, during this lockdown. And because we were giving stuff, we were given stuff, and other people in our building were also given us given stuff by their companies. One thing that we like find kind of funny was we started to trade with our neighbors. So, for example, if we were given one broccoli, but we didn't, we weren't given any lettuce. But then somebody on the sixth floor had some lettuce. Then we would 
we would message them and we would ask, can we swap? So we weren't meant to because we weren't really meant to leave our leave our apartments. Um, but either we would go down and we would put the food outside their door and then they would come up and do the same. Or we would meet outside either one of our doors and quickly swap between we leave to go back to our apartments. So that was kind of funny because that was making us speak to people in our in our um in our building and obviously with there being every now and then a language barrier um it was kind of funny to you know have to translate all of the messages but we got there in the end having to trade with neighbors but it was quite fun but what wasn't fun was the covid tests that we had to take nearly every other day luckily these ones weren't nasal it was throat which i was really really happy about and they would say social distancing, social distancing. So, you know, make sure you're at least two meters apart so you don't get COVID. But before that, because they would say this all on the ground floor and outside in, in the compound. But before then, they would put 15 people into a single lift to then separate them on the ground floor. So there's absolutely no logic whatsoever in any of it. Um because my family and I, we lived on the top floor, um, the 23rd floor, and the lift was broken during this time. I don't know why it was broken. So we would have, there was somebody sit, sitting in the lift, going up and down, getting people to come for the COVID tests. And he would go up to the 23rd, and then he would press the button for the 22nd, the 21st, and the 20th, and the 19th, and 18th, and 17th. And this lift just filled with people. And there was absolutely no logic in it because we're in a COVID outbreak in this one of the strictest countries in the world for this COVID outbreak. And they're shoving 15 people into a lift together, which we could potentially get COVID from that. There was absolutely no logic. Um, and we would also have to do antigen, antigen tests every single day. So these rapid antigen tests were sent to the compound manager and then they were sent to us so they were given to us and every day we would have to test ourselves at let's say six in the morning seven in the morning and we'd have to send that to the compound manager to make sure that we're not negative even though we can't leave we're not going anywhere they just want to make sure that because we're sitting in our house 24 7 that we haven't caught covid from the air like it just it makes absolutely no sense and staying on this topic of um, testing and um, positive and negative cases, Shanghai did this thing where I'm not sure what the official term is, but I call them quarantine areas. And um, going back to the diplomat, the news agency, they said that, that Shanghai converted at least two gyms, an entire exhibition hall, and many other facilities to house potential infective patients and how the rooms or quote-unquote rooms were made was it was essentially just a really really bad bed separated with panels up to your waist height so if you went there and you didn't have covid you most likely would have got covid from there and then when they tested you there and you had covid they'll be like ah we were right you do have covid you're staying here for another few weeks but in doing this, Shanghai was clever. Shanghai was very clever when they did this because let's say that a compound tested one building and if one person 
in that building was positive, then the entire building would then be moved to one of these quarantine zones. And then every single person would be tested there. So, for example, if one of my, one, somebody from my building, if one person from my building was positive, then our entire building would have been taken away to this quarantine zone, tested there to see if we had COVID or not. And if anybody did have COVID in this quarantine area, this quarantine zone that they had taken everybody to, then that would be a quarantine case. It wouldn't be a public case. It wouldn't be a case found in public. It would be a case found in quarantine. So that made the numbers look better for Shanghai. And it was interesting because on this daily thing that we were sent on WeChat, something that, I, that we subscribe to, it came, kind of just broke down all of the different um, numbers of cases a day that there was in Shanghai. And there would only be like the official number of the public cases or the cases outside of quarantine were only, let's say, like, well, in the peak of it, there were a lot. There was like probably 11,000 or something in the peak of it. But then there was like 20,000 other cases which were quarantine cases because they weren't in the public. They were tested in quarantine and they had it from quarantine. So that made Shanghai look better with their numbers. And it was really quite interesting and another thing was that there was no respect absolutely no respect in the sense of well in the sense of human rights obviously but in the sense of like pets like we have a dog dogs aren't allowed to go out dogs weren't allowed to be taken out for a five minute walk twice a day you couldn't leave your apartment it was horrible um Luckily, because my family and I, we lived on the top floor, we had a rooftop with a little bit of AstroTurf. So it took a while. It took about a week before um, my dog got used to, got used to, um, you know, going to the bathroom on the roof because she was, she was, she was well trained to not go to the bathroom in our house. So the fact that it was outside with a little bit of AstroTurf, I think gave her just a little bit of confidence. And obviously when she did go to the bathroom, we gave her so much hugs, so many treats. And, um, you know, she, she just went to the bathroom. But for other people living in our building, at least, and all across Shanghai, you couldn't leave your room. You couldn't leave your building. You couldn't do anything. You couldn't take your dog out for a walk. And it was horrible. It was horrible for trained dogs because what are they meant to do? You know, they, they, were, they were told not to go to the bathroom inside their house, but all of a sudden they have to act like cats. It was it's just horrible to think about. Absolutely horrible to think about. Throughout this time, this lockdown, from March 28th to uh, around June the 1st. June the 1st is when the low-risk areas were allowed to open up. And between these things, every single day just felt like a cycle. Every single day was just the same. We weren't allowed to leave our apartment um, some cases, um, you know how I mentioned about the motion detectors that they would put on the door when you came back for a home quarantine. Sometimes they would put a little bit of tape across your door. And if you opened your door, that tape would break and it would snap in half. And then the authorities would know that you tried to leave your house. So that's another insane way 
that they made sure that people stayed in their house and stayed put and did not leave. It was it, it was just it's it's insane to think about. It's absolutely insane to think about. The first time I was actually allowed out of our compound of our building was the seventeenth of May, and I cycled to my friend's house to go and see him. And when I went out, it was just barren. Not a single car on the road. Not a single person on the road. I. I was surprised how barren it was because around the 17th of May, 17th of May is when my compound put into place that we could leave. There was nobody out when I went out. I was the only person and it was very, very weird that this city of 28 million people was just a wasteland, just a barren land. And it was just crazy. And then three days later was my second ankle surgery that I had done, which I mentioned in my last episode about pain. And then about 10 days after that, like I said, the June the 1st was where low risk areas were allowed to open up. So luckily the Pudong new area, which is where I lived um, uh, in Jingqiao, we that was opened up because that was was a low risk area. Uh, obviously, it wasn't the same. People didn't still didn't really want to go out. Everyone was wearing masks. I mean, you had to wear masks, so everybody was wearing masks. And it just wasn't a nice place to be. So you just want to stay inside for the majority of the time, anyways. And then ten days later, I left Shanghai. On June the eleventh, I had my flight out of Shanghai, and I haven't been back since. I wanted to just just touch on one last thing and it was getting in and out of China getting into China when I came back in September of 2020 was horrible we it took us I think about four hours to get to the quarant the central quarantine hotel and we had to sit on the plane for a while before walking through and being guided by people in these hazmat suits to another place where we had to show them paperwork and then we had to be directed to another place where there was just about 15, 20 cubicles of places to get a COVID test. And this COVID test, like I said before, they are not nice. They are over-aggressive with it. They are dangerous with it. And this is where I saw somebody, somebody's nosebleed because of it. And it was one of those 15 to 20 centimeter long, um, long um, like cotton bud swab things. I would go all the way up your nose and back. And they did that for both nose both nose, both noses, both nostrils. There we go. It was horrific. And there was no need for it. But that's what happened. And then finally, we made it through. We got our bags, we got everything we needed. And then we had to I think we waited for like, three hours, four hours. So I take it back, it didn't take four hours to get to central quarantine, it probably took us about seven or eight hours to get to central quarantine. Because I remember we waited with our suitcases and with the group that we were with for about four hours it was about four hours we waited before we could finally sit on a bus for another hour to then be taken to the hotel to then stand around for another hour before finally being taken to our room and locked in but now none of that is a thing my parents just got back to shanghai the other day and they've told me that there's nothing there it's essentially just back to what it was like in summer of 2019 when we went back to Shanghai. It took them an hour 
to get from the plane back home. And there's a half an hour taxi ride in between the airport and our house. It took them half an hour to walk through the airport, get through immigration, get their bags, and off they went. And everything is fine in Shanghai now. And it's crazy to think about because of just how strict Shanghai and China have been. And I'm going to experience that again in a couple of months' time when I go back to get my the bar out of my chest. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to experience the new Shanghai without these quarantine measures in place and these COVID measures in place, which I am excited for because I'm sick of it. And I was so sick of it. And I was so happy to leave Shanghai. But it is still my home. And it has been where I've been living for nine years. And that was that's essentially what I wanted to talk about for this episode was just COVID in China and my experience with it. And obviously, in recent times, towards the end of last year, in 2022, was all of those big protests that Chinese, that the Chinese people have been putting on um, about wanting to, you know, have freedom and have all of these things that have kind of been ripped away from them for a very long period of time. And it was interesting because it worked. It did work. And all of this nonsense about quarantine and you know locking yourselves inside of your apartment is gone now and they're saying it's not because of the protests they're saying it's because they've changed the severity of the virus from a category a virus to a category i think it's c virus um where i think the flu is or something so it's just not it's not dangerous anymore it's not dangerous for anyone anymore and i wish china had thought about that and done that about two years prior (laughs) maybe not two years prior but i wish they had done that earlier because it's just it's life now people get covid people get cold people get the flu people get sick every single day and covid isn't any different now obviously the beginning it was very very lethal but now it's just like a flu now it's just a common cold and it's it's a it's been a massive roller coaster ride for shanghai and now it's finally come to an end but that will end it for this episode of the politoco podcast thank you very much for listening i hope you did enjoy and i hope you learned something new i definitely learned something new from searching things up online But I think personal experience is far greater than reading something off of a news agency app. So I'm glad I got to tell you a little bit about my personal experience with COVID in China that has happened throughout the last two years. If you guys did enjoy, please don't forget to follow the podcast. Don't forget to review it and give me a few comments on what you enjoyed, what you think I could do better. And give me some suggestions as to what I can talk about as well, because... There's quite a lot of things that you guys might want me to talk about and I will gladly talk about. So I hope you guys come and tune in for the next episode, which will be coming out next week. And I will see you guys there. Catch you later, guys.